Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. The epistle is from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the third chapter. For this reason, brothers, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly, when you read this you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy prophets and apostles by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. This is the word of the Lord. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the Magi secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And they opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
Dearly beloved, as we have rejoiced in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, so I announce to you by the mercy of God the joyous observance of the resurrection of our Savior. In this year of our Lord, 2019, which began on Tuesday, January 1st, the Feast of the Circumcision of our Lord, there will be five Sundays after Epiphany until Septuagesima Sunday on February 17th. March 6th is Ash Wednesday and begins the sacred 40 days of Lent. On April 21st, we will celebrate with great rejoicing the glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. The ascension of our Lord will be called, recalled 40 days after on May 30. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles at Pentecost will be celebrated on June 9. The Feast of the Most Holy and Blessed Trinity will be observed on June 16th. There will be 23 Sundays after Trinity until the first Sunday in Advent on December 1st, when a new year of grace will begin. To our Lord Jesus Christ be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. We are the church that preaches grace. We preach the undeserved free forgiveness of sins for the sake of Jesus Christ. And it is our boast against every other religion that our God is a man. As the Magi show boldly today when they fall on their knees and even on their faces, the Greek text says, before a young infant to worship Him as if He were. No, because He is God. And it is our boast that our God does what no other religion's God can claim or dare claim. Our God condescends and subjects Himself to us in order to win His people back for Himself rather than waiting for His people to win His approval and come and submit to Him. Christianity preaches that we are blessed and saved by God's gracious and undeserved actions for us, not by our own doings. And our confession, dear saints, the Lutheran confession, of all of them, stands firm on this point over against many other Christian churches that have obscured or utterly confused and lost this most unique and essential aspect of the Christian truth. The grace of God, the gratuitous free favor of God on account of Christ. The blessing of God for Abraham and for his offspring is not by Abraham's works of obedience, but it is by God's promise alone, which his faith receives and trusts. God's grace is undeserved. It is unmerited. It is gratuitous. Now the Feast of the Epiphany, which we celebrate today, is a feast about this grace. Today proclaims God's marvelously undeserved kindness towards those whom we would not expect to find worshiping and received by God. It also at the same time proclaims the sharp edge of God's grace. That God's grace can never be a matter of right. 
The Magi, they receive the star, and they receive the prophecy, and they receive the Christ with joy. While the lifelong people of God reject Him and refuse to go see Him. Grace, therefore, must always be received continually. It can never be done in the sense that we have it now as our own native possession and can go on our way. No. God's grace always comes by way of God's free gift. And He shows His disposition toward us always in His promises, which we are to hear over and over again. Nothing is greater than a promise. If you have a promise, then you have a guarantee. And so long as the promiser is trustworthy, then you also have certainty. But if you do not believe that promise, if you do not care about it, if you take it for granted, or if you refuse it, then, despite the certainty and trustworthiness of that promiser, his promises do you no good. In fact, His promises condemn you in this way. They show that you care nothing at all for the promiser and that you are an ingrate. Now we call someone who refuses to say thank you at Christmas time or at their birthday, we call those people ingrates, ungrateful people. But in truth, and the words are related, there is nothing more ungrateful than to reject grace for the sake of rights and earnings. Right and grace are opposed to each other. Earnings and merit do not fit with promises and gratuity. Now, maybe we've ruined this for ourselves with our modern understanding of the word gratuity and what we mean when we talk about tipping people. Some say that you give a tip to ensure proper service. That means that you get to withhold your tip from your waiter if he does a bad job or if he doesn't work extra hard to earn your approval. Likewise, put yourself in that waiter's shoes and you know that he does not expect to receive tips as some kind of nicety, but as a matter of expectation, as a matter of course. The restaurant owner, his boss, is paying him less Because you are expected to make up the difference in your tips. And if somebody wants to teach you a lesson and leave you no tip or leaves you a low tip, you know what we call those people. We call them cheapskates. But now, how does any of this dance that we do at the restaurant the dance of rights and expectation of the eater and the diner and the waiter. How do those fit with the real meaning of that word, gratuity? Which means grace. A gratuity is a matter of free grace. It is a donation that does not expect or uh, is preceded by a return or compensation. A gratuity is an undeserved favor. So which way do you think it is with God? Do you think that God is your waiter? Or do you think that you 
are the one who is to be living in service to God's wishes. Well, the Bible says that neither of these ideas fits with the way our God operates. And today's Gospel shows it from both sides. We must begin by admitting something about ourselves, since as far as I know, all of us are Germanic or Scandinavian or Viking or some other northern barbarian descent. None of us, or a few of us at least, are descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are not Jewish. And even if there's any Jewish blood among us, it's not pure. And that means that all of the promises in the Old Testament, all the promises about the Messiah, are not for you and not for me. We have no right to the Messiah of Israel. We are not Israelites. If anyone could claim a right, I suppose it would be those who are descended from Israel, those descended from Abraham. And that's what makes Epiphany such a wonderful and important event. It's what St. Paul says in our epistle is a mystery of the gospel that is now revealed in a way it was not revealed before. And the mystery is that the Gentiles, you and I, we are now fellow heirs with Israel. Here we see non-Jews today, the wise men, the magi, probably coming from Persia or Babylon, coming to worship the newborn Jesus Christ as Lord, and they receive an audience with Him. This is grace. They have no merit or worthiness to stand before even the infant God. And yet, that God receives them. Christ is pleased to be worshipped by them. Pleased to receive His gifts. And they show themselves to be the only faithful Christians in the story. And they are not turned away by God for being Gentiles. Now contrast this with King Herod, the king of Jerusalem, and his scribes and his priests of the temple in Jerusalem. The scribes and the priests, they are full-blooded Jews. Herod actually was a half-Jew. Even so, he still possesses more of a claim to the promises of Abraham than we do by our flesh. And yet we see that Jerusalem's chief leaders in temple and state had God's promises and did not believe them. When the Magi come seeking the king, Herod is not fooled. He does not think that, well, maybe there's some human usurper afoot. No, Herod is just like Saddam Hussein. He killed some of his own children, killed one of his wives because he was afraid and jealous that they might try to steal his kingdom. He was a sharp, if a crude, guy. But he is not worried about some person taking his throne. He asked the scribes directly, where is the Christ to be born? Where is the Messiah to be born? And his scribes also know what is going on. They know right where to look. They pull out immediately, as if they hardly had to look for it, the prophecies from Micah and from 2 Samuel, and they put them together to be the quote that we have from Matthew's Gospel. Don't miss this. They know what it means. They know what these people from a foreign land are seeking. They know what is at stake. And what is their reaction? They are troubled with all Jerusalem. And utterly and knowingly, they reject the Messiah. 
The scribes and the priests do not go and run with the Magi to Bethlehem as you'd expect. And Herod is scheming to kill the Messiah, not to worship him like he said. Now this is a tragic foreshadowing of the whole rest of New Testament history, isn't it? Well, we heard on Christmas Day that Christ came to His own, but His own did not receive Him. The vast majority of the Jewish people did not continue in the faith of Abraham because they did not believe or receive Abraham's offspring, which is this infant Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And yet the Gentiles, whether mystical sages from the east or barbarians like us and our ancestors from the north or the many peoples of Africa that now outnumber us in terms of faithful Christians, these Gentiles have received Christ, have trusted Him. God willing, we will continue to worship this God-man, Jesus. And that's precisely the warning today, dear Christians. You can receive grace. You can love it. You can rejoice in it. You can take advantage of grace. You can, it can even tolerate your abuse of grace for a time. But you cannot take grace for granted. When you take God's grace for granted, you take it as your own unique possession. You make it an entitlement. You make it something that God owes to you. It's your right. And thus you destroy it. You reject grace. And you will no longer receive it then. We see that God's own people again and again, but most sharply in today's Gospel, at the time of His epiphany on earth, His coming to them, they reject His grace. What they are most offended by is God's free and undeserved kindness in Jesus Christ. The fact that a Messiah who comes not to set up an earthly kingdom of Israel to take over the Romans, but who comes to redeem them as the Scriptures have long foretold, that Jesus still threatens them. Still comes to them and says, no, there is something wrong with you. You need my rescue. And they say, Nonsense. We've never been enslaved to anyone. You're a liar. They turn His Word into a commonplace book of rules, or more accurately, guidelines. And the people of Israel came to rest in human traditions. And they will fight to preserve them, fight to the death to preserve them all while not having any clue what any of these traditions mean anymore and certainly losing the kernel of truth that the traditions were begun in order to promote and protect. And just because you and I are Gentiles and not Jews does not mean that we are immune to this danger. Be warned. Herod and these priests and these scribes are sinning against the Holy Spirit. They are despising God's Word and they are doing it knowingly, refusing to repent, refusing to believe in the Gospel. And the Lord Jesus plainly says that this and this alone is unforgivable. Lord, have mercy. 
And instead then, let us be cheered by the insight of St. Paul and take it to heart. St. Paul, a marvelous Jew among Jews, a Hebrew among Hebrews, whose pride and whose sense of rights was broken down by God's Spirit so that he could be restored to life through faith in Jesus Christ, the very one whom he, like Herod, once persecuted and sought to destroy. And let us rejoice in the example of Paul as well as in the example that we have in these magi, these wise, strange people. The first of our kind, though, if you will, because they are the first Gentiles to believe and rejoice in the undeserved favor of God revealed in the infant Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Now what could proclaim the truth of God's grace more than this, that He welcomes those from whom He did not come and for whom He did not come, at least so far as the sons of men in previous generations knew, the Messiah of Israel is become the Savior of the world. And the only thing perhaps more amazing than this is that He can forgive those who have taken Him for granted. That He can forgive those who have despised Him for a time. That He can even forgive those who have rejected Him by their words and their actions. That He can forgive you. And so these promises then remain today for humbled wise guys, for stubborn Germans and Norwegians, and yes, even for proud Jews. Because the Israel of God, the Israel of God now knows of no bloodlines only that line of blood that comes from His cross and which penetrates into the heart of all who believe His promises. Jew or Gentile, insider or outsider or newcomer. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and every right and every entitlement and yet are justified freely by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Or as Peter, another faithful Jew, said in Jerusalem, even we Jews believe that we will be saved just as the Gentiles will through the grace of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Thank you for listening to The Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbachristi.blogspot.com and if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor at denzer.org. That's P-A-S-T-O-R at D-A-E-N 
Z-E-R dot O-R-G. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Amen. <laughs>